Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as guest speaker Clem Ferris speaks on the God of the Breakthrough. Awesome. 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 Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your honor. We have double honor today. We have such an amazing, special treat today. I just, uh, I want to mention real quick before I announce our speaker, Elizabeth just won that Amazon gift card. Her and her husband, Jesse, are going to Uzbekistan in a month for missions and mom was that's where mom got the term mama b she was a second mom right sabra mom is here today so dear family friends for many years i remember elizabeth as a baby all right and so powerful just met jesse a few months ago but they're they're just going they're just going and so I don't know the rest of the service how it's going to go, but I would love for us to pray over them before they leave. But I just want to give full liberty to our speaker today and just wanted to at least mention that. So before you guys go, we're going to grab you at some point and pray over you guys. <sighs> we had um, an amazing time this weekend at a prophetic conference Several churches came together. It was hosted over at Trinity Community Church, I think is the full name. And uh, an awesome time. Several prophetic voices at this conference. Uh, Steve Fado, a friend of ours from Awaken City, a father in the faith, and just getting to know him over the last few months and loving that journey. And he asked me before the conference... um, we would like for you to host one of the speakers uh, on the Sunday morning following the conference. I don't know any of the speakers. I've never met any of the speakers, but I know Steve, okay? And so on his word, I'm like, yes, which one? And he said, I want you to host Clem Ferris on that Sunday morning. And so I'm at the conference and I'm listening to the speakers and Clem gets up to speak and I'm like, yes, yes, I think we got the best one. <laughs> I mean, I loved all of them, but I was like, yes, I think we got the best one. I'm so excited. And so I'm just absolutely just bubbling with anticipation today for our speaker uh, Clem Ferris, just one moment. I, I, I was kind of just praying, Lord, how do we do this? What do we do? And met with the elders this week, and we we have an um, we have an idea of what we want to do. We've determined what we want to do as as an eldership and leadership in the church for our speaker today. But I'm a firm believer that like you need to be a part of it, like. You need to be a part of it. David said, I want nothing that doesn't cost me something. 
So you can't buy a word today. He's not giving words for money. But I just want to give each one of us an opportunity to sow into this prophetic voice. And if you sow into a prophet, you receive the reward of a prophet. Amen? And so here's what we're going to do. At the end of service, we're going to have a way for you to give on your way out. And we, we've already determined what we're going to do. I hope you match it and exceed it, and we'll just give it all. How's that? And so, please, uh, we'll, we'll have something posted on your way out. We've set it up, I'm pretty sure. If you want to text to give, you can text 84321, put an amount, and then type the word speaker after the amount. Okay, 84321, put an amount, and then type the word speaker after the amount. And that will let us know that is designated towards that as well if you text to give. All right, without further ado, Mr. Clem Ferris is in the house. Make him welcome. Well, good morning, Redemption Life, and all the visitors. What a, what a brave, what a brave pastor you have. Brings in a guy sight unseen. We never met until Friday night. I'm a first-time visitor, and he let me speak this morning. How's that for a brave guy? Any first-time visitors? Here. So, hey, it's great to be with you. I live in North Carolina. Well, I have a house in North Carolina. I live on Delta Airlines most of the time. I travel full-time. Been doing this 22 years. Based out of uh, Grace Church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Before that, we were in pastoral ministry in Florida for 17 years. But I'm a northerner. Don't boo. I can't hear you anyway. The fans are too loud. So, uh, Grew up in western New York State. Met my wife at Michigan State University. And then uh, we started having kids and ministry and all this great stuff. So we have four adult children and five grandchildren and believing for more. Come on, grandparents. Believing for more, right? There's always room for one more. So, uh, yeah, it's great to, uh, great to be here. I've been coming to Knoxville for years. Known Steve a long time. Used to come when he had Trinity Chapel and then Neil Silverberg I've known for years and years. Here's an interesting story. The pastor of Trinity, Tyler Lind, is the current pastor. My wife and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit 40 years ago in his dad's church. How about that for full circle? He was 10 years old. And so now I'm on the oversight team of that church, and we love what God's doing here. And so, uh, ready for some word this morning? Yeah. All right, we're going to get into the word. We did have a great conference, by the way. I think you can get some of those uh, messages online. And uh, don't tell the other guys I was the best speaker, okay? Just don't tell the other guys. Kidding. That was nice of you, Michael. Thank you. Was that good worship this morning? Wow. And we had that... This weekend, too, thank you and your team. That was awesome. Teruah. If you don't know what that word means, look it up in the Hebrew. It's a war cry. I love that. Man, I saw that word. I go, I didn't know anybody ever used that word but me. I was a worship leader for 15 years, and we love worship, and we love what God's doing. And, uh, boy, you guys have something special here. So that's awesome. So, um, all right. We're going to go to a prophet this morning, an Old Testament prophet. He's not a minor prophet. There's no such thing. There's short prophets, and there's long prophets, but there's no minor prophets. They all have something to say. 
So we're going to start with um, the prophet Micah, chapter 2, and verse 13. The message is, after these things, or the power of a breakthrough. The power of a breakthrough. The power of the breakthrough always comes after these things. So Micah is going to introduce us to the breaker. And he says this in Micah 2.13. He says, the breaker goes up before them and then they break through or they break out. They pass through the gate and they go out by it. So their king goes on before them, the Lord at their head. You get the picture? Micah's trying to show us who our king is. He's our breaker, and he's out in front of us. That last song was like right on. What, I can't remember. The, what, I never heard that. It was a great song. Something like he's always out before us, right? He goes before us. Yeah. God's out before us. Get that position this morning. Where is God for us? Where is your breaker? Where is Jesus? He's at the head. He's the head of the church. He's leading us to the finish. Somebody say the finish. finish. Oh, good. You're a talking church. I like talking churches. <laughs> Pastor's up there just pleading with you. Go out and talk to somebody. So we practice in here. So it's okay to talk. The breaker goes out before us. The Lord is out in front, and he causes us to break through. Yes. You don't break through by your own works. That's what that prophetic song was about. You wait on the Lord. You wait on him because he's the breaker, and then we pass through the gate. A breakthrough is the act of overcoming or penetrating some kind of an obstacle in your life. How many have some kind of an obstacle in your life right now? Okay, how many never raise your hand in church? That's the rest of you. We all have obstacles. Everybody has an obstacle. You could be sitting next to one this morning. You never know. You never know. We all have obstacles. There's things that resist. We have an enemy. We're, we have flesh. That's public enemy number one, your flesh. It resists the spirit, Galatians says. But we all have opportunities for resistance to come into our life and obstacles, and we need the breaker. You can try it on your own. Go ahead. That's called works. There's this tension between faith and works. But if you work, if you're trying to work and break through yourself, then the glory goes to you. And your works become the focus of your success. But if you believe that the breaker goes out before you and you wait on him and then you break through the faith that it took to wait and lean in, faith is leaning in, putting all your weight upon, God gets all the glory. The breaker gets the glory. We break through, he gets the glory. So we're going to go to a short story this morning in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 15. We're going to look at a guy by the name of Abram. He's not Abraham yet. He's still Abram. And Abram's about to get a breakthrough. But you've got to see how God sets us up for breakthroughs, how we set up the father of our faith for a breakthrough. So we start out in Genesis 15. Let's look at the text. It's six verses. Genesis 15, 1, after these things. Stop. Don't miss that phrase. That's the focus. That's the pivotal point of how breakthroughs begin to come. It's always after some things. We'll see what these things are in a minute, but don't miss that. It's after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. 
I am your shield, and your reward will still be very great. Now, here's God visiting this guy by the name of Abram. He's already visited him before. He already gave him a prophetic word. You're going to have a lot of kids, just like the Cox family. You're just going to have a lot of kids. So time goes on. Things happen. And it comes to this focal point in Genesis 15. God comes again, and the first words out of his mouth, he says, Abram, what? Fear not. Now, why do you think he said fear not? Duh. He was in fear. <laughs> fear not. Why? You're in fear, so stop fearing. How many know fear is the opposite of faith? Same definition, by the way. See, fear is believing in something you can't see. Faith is believing in something you can't see. It's how you tone of voice, right? It's like, faith is believing in what you can't see. Faith, and the Hebrew idea of faith was leaning and putting all your weight on something strong. Leaning into something where all your weight goes onto it. Leaning into God, we say. Absolute reliance on something else. And see, that's what happens when you get into fear. You're relying on something you can't see. And you have to have faith, not only in the promise, but in the promiser. The promises of God are good, but if you don't have faith in the one that gave the promise, you're leaning on something that's not going to hold up when things don't go your way, when there's resistance, when there's obstacles. You start doubting. And so God had given him a promise. You're going to have a lot of kids, but he started wavering. He's in fear now because all this stuff's happening. And he's like, where's the kids? Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Isn't that amazing when God says, I am your shield? The book of Ephesians hadn't been written on paper yet, but it was already in the eternal heart of God. Yes. The whole Bible was eternally existing. Yes. And so he comes to Abram, pre the book of Ephesians, and says, I am your shield. Yeah. Later on, Paul writes in Ephesians, take up the shield of faith. faith. Yeah. So God shows up and says, by the way, you need faith. I'm your faith. How many need faith this morning? God is your faith. God himself is your faith. He's the one you lean on. You put all your weight on him, all your problems on him. He is your faith. Yes, he gives faith, but he's the source. Did you get that? He's the source. And that's where Abram had wavered off the source. When a big promise comes, he's childish, he and his, he and his wife. He says, you're going to have children like the dust of the earth. And nothing's happening. And he starts wavering. Now he's in fear. God says, I'll be your faith. I'll give, you know, God cheats. God's the biggest cheater in the universe. He cheats you out of death, hell. Come on, he, cheats, he cheated you out of your punishment. He cheats for us. He does stuff behind our back. We don't even realize what he's doing. Then he shows up and breaks through. Like, What? Sometimes he does, he does things you don't even pray for. Some, think, some things, thank God the Holy Spirit edits your prayers. That's why you got to pray in tongues. you got to give the Holy Spirit time to edit. Lord, I need this, I need this, and I need this, and I want you to do this, and I need to do this. And the Holy Spirit goes, don't give him that, don't give him that, and don't give him that. Give him this instead. Oh, I got the breakthrough. And started praying in the Spirit, I got the breakthrough. Yes, because Holy Spirit just kind of wiped out your list and... Come on, somebody. Paul said, if I pray with my spirit, my mind is unfruitful. We need unfruitful minds. 
in this hour. You're never going to figure it out. You don't know what's coming. Only the Holy Ghost knows. He will show you things to come. I'm on another message. Better get back. I got, took one of those exit ramps Chuck was talking about. I got to get back on the highway. Here we go. Back to Genesis. Here we go. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, thanks for that prophetic word. I feel better now. My faith is rising. Thank you, Lord. I needed that. No. He acted like us. Excuse me. I got a bone to pick with you, Lord. What are you going to give me? Here we go again. Because I continue childless, this heir of my house, I guess I'll pick my own. I guess I'll, I'm going to pick Eliezer of Damascus as my own heir. You've given me no offspring. Don't, you know, it's okay to complain to God. God can take your complaints. And another thing, you know, just get it out, Abram. Get it out. Get it all out. You done? Yeah, and another thing. You've given me no offspring, so I'm just going to pick my own heir. You know what we call that? That's called plan B. How many know God never does plan B? God only does plan A. A and O. He does alpha and omega. That's it. Everything in between. He's the whole plan. But we love to come up with plan B sometimes. God, this isn't working out, so I guess I'll come up with my own ideas. And so God just turns right back onto him. He says, no. The word of the Lord came in verse 4. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Still got a problem. Hasn't changed. Nothing's changed in this guy named Abram. Now give him a break. He's not a Christian. Never been to church. Never went to step one. Give him a break, okay? He's an unbelieving Chaldean at this point. So God says, time to fix this. He reprophesies the word. He goes, no, no, no. Not doing plan B. We're doing plan A. Your very own son will be your heir. Now I got to fix this. <laughs> now I'm going to cheat. God, the great cheater, cheats for this guy because he has no faith. I'm, I'm going to be your faith. I'm going to fix this, so come with me. And he brings him outside, changes his location, changes his perspective. Yeah. Come on, church. God took us outside the church over the last couple of years. He took us outside of the familiar, the comfortable. He took us outside of what we're used to because we, we needed a faith boost. We needed a challenge. We needed a setup. God had to set us up for breakthroughs. So he takes him outside, changes his location, and refocuses him and says, now look toward heaven. Quit looking at your circumstances. Quit looking at your problem. Quit looking at your childlessness. And look toward heaven. And then he has this little thing. I love when God just comes in. And count the stars if you can. See all those, he's a Chaldean. You know what the Chaldeans worshiped? Stars. He's a star worshiper, so he takes him outside and says, see all those stars you worship every night? Think you could count them? Sometimes God gets a little sassy to get our attention. It's kind of like, who's in charge here? I am. I made them all. I have a name for every one of them. And a middle name, probably. Look toward heaven. Number the stars. If you're able to. That's still how many kids you're going to have. Takes them from the dust of the ground and refocuses them on eternity and says, Look toward heaven. That's still how many offspring you're going to have. Still got a problem. He refocuses him. He reprophesies the prophecy. I'm not changing my mind. We're still going to do plan A. You're still going to have this many kids. You still lack one thing, Abram. Faith. Here's the guy that is about to be the father of our faith, your faith, my faith. The seed of Abraham. And God does the most amazing thing in verse 6. 
This is the pivotal moment. This is the gospel being formed in a human. Abraham believed. What? How, did, how did that happen? God cheated. He gave him faith. He gave him the faith that he needed to believe in the prophecy, yeah. in the word of God. Yes. That's what God does for us. No man has faith. No one's, you're not born with faith. Read your Bible. You're not, you're not born with faith. We're born dead in sin and trespass. Read Ephesians 2. You're born dead. You're not born half dead. You're not born partly faith. I got a little bit. I got 20%. No, you got no faith. You're an unbeliever. You're dead. Dead people can't think. They can't believe. They can't do anything. God just comes and rescues us. Some people think we're out flailing our arms in the middle of the lake going, rescue me, Lord, rescue me, I'm drowning. No, you're not. You're dead. You're at the bottom of the lake, dead in sin and trespass. Jesus jumps from the shore, swims out, does a surface dive, goes down, brings you up, drags you to the shore, pumps your chest, and breathes new life into you. That's what the gospel is. You are dead. You can do anything. That's another exit ramp. i got to stop this, but that was good. Then Abram believed the Lord, and then God does the most amazing thing. He cheats one more time, and he turns around and counts that act of believing, which he gave him, as righteousness. You're sitting in a chair in Knoxville, Tennessee, living in that verse right now. Counted that unto him as righteousness. An act of believing is what makes you righteous. Not your works, not nothing else, not church attendance. It's believing when you can't believe. How are you saved? By grace, through faith, it is the gift of God. The antecedent there in the grammar of the Greek is the faith is the gift. I want to preach all of Ephesians 2 this morning. It's so good. It's so rich. That's the gospel. So here's this moment of breakthrough. This is the breakthrough. God set him up. He set this unbeliever up for a moment where he had to kind of go, I, I just can't do this. I'm going to go to plan B. I give up. He's ready to throw in the towel. Forget this whole thing. God moment. And it was after these things. Don't forget that phrase. It was after these things. What are some of these things? Well, let's look back at Abe's life for just a second. What are some of the things? Well, we pick up his story at the end of chapter 11, and he's told by God, I want you to get up and leave. Where am I going? Tell you later. Isn't that great? God says, I want you to do something. I want details. No details. Just take the first step. Some of you need to take the first step. He didn't pay me to say that. I, some of you need to take that first step. What do I do? I've been, I like this church. I like the people. It's okay. What do I do now? Take a step. Come on. Grow. Move. Do something. <laughs> After these, so go, where? I don't know. So he gets going, he does okay, and then he stops about halfway. We call that partial obedience. Anybody ever, don't, I'm not looking. Anybody ever know somebody? How many know somebody that's kind of got going, but then they kind of get about halfway? If you've ever had kids, never mind. Partial obedience. Then he has character crisis. There's a family, and they go down to Egypt to try to, escape uh, the problems, <laughs> the obstacles, gets down to Egypt. The king of Egypt looks at his wife and says, who is that sweet-looking chick? He goes, ah, that would be my sister. Yeah, that's who that is. That's my sister. Tell him you're my sister. Why? Because he was afraid for his life. That's called a character crisis. And he had that more than once. 
And then he had family conflict with his nephew Lot. And then he had other family pressure. And then he had repeated failures. And he had time delays. And all this stuff's going on. All these things are going on in his life. And he's ready. He's fighting with kings. And all this stuff's happening. He gets to chapter 15. He's like, I'm, that's it. I'm done. But God shows up and says, fear not. <laughs> After these things. I don't know about you. I'm glad in the mind of God, in the heart of God, and in the, the omniscience of God, there's always something for you after these things. I've had these things. Have you had these things? We've all had these things. See, our problem is we tend to focus on what's behind us, but the breaker's out in front of us. We go back and visit that all the time, and if you don't do it, the devil will help you every day of your life. God doesn't focus on our failures like we do. The devil wants, all, this, all he wants to do is focus on your failures, focus on your failures. Hey, but what about this time? He's the accuser of the brethren. And the only thing he can accuse you with, not your success, he's going to accuse you about your failures. God doesn't do that. God is not consumed with our past like we are. And God doesn't give up on us like we often want to. Abram was ready to give up. You might be here this morning saying, you know, I've been thinking about giving up. Don't give up. Why? Because God's not giving up on you. He's the breaker. See, the best thing about God, when you feel like giving up, when you feel like oh, nothing's working, there's failure, there's obstacles, you're actually having a breakdown, God can still bring a breakthrough when it looks like everything's breaking down. He's the breaker. Every believer needs a breakthrough. At some point in your Christian walk, God will set you up. That's here's the thing. Can I tell you right now? You don't pray for the setup. <laughs> it's going to happen because he loves you too much because he wants to show off. He wants to show off his power. God can do more. I'm not exaggerating. In a few seconds than we could do in weeks and months and years. And in those weeks and months of years, and agonizing and wrestling and crying out and throwing in the towel and then picking it back up and qu I quit. No, I'm not going to quit. All that wrestling, God's setting you up for a breakthrough. And it can take seconds. In my own life, we started out in ministry 40 years ago. And I served pastors for a while. I was on staff at some churches in Florida. Then we planted a church in 1992 and pastored that all through the 90s. But also in the 90s is when I started doing a lot of prophetic ministry. Started traveling with uh, my mentors who are both in heaven now. But started doing traveling. The 90s was a blur. It was like, it was the craziest decade. We planted a church. We had our fourth child. I was going to seminary and I was traveling. Oh, and we were homeschooling. What were we thinking? It was a blur. It's like, what were we thinking? I don't remember sleeping in the 90s, but anyway, we're... It was like, all this is going on. And then I hit a wall in 1999. Boom. All this is going on. I finished my degree. We got the church going. I'm traveling. All this is happening. And I hit this wall. Something was resisting inside of me. One of the things that God was stirring in me was he wanted to launch me out into full-time traveling ministry. And you think, how do you get paid? <laughs> How do you do this? It's like, not many guys do that. It's a step of faith. And then where am I going to do it from? And 
how am I going to do it? And where? I had all these questions. And God just kept. And so I started meeting with my oversight team. And I met with my elders. And I met with my chief elder, who's my wife. <laughs> and, we, and everybody starts bearing witness. Yep, this is what you're called to do. And I knew it. The grace to pastor was lifting and the grace to go was rising. As my overseer, Keith Hazel, said to me, he says, Brother, your, the inward call is shrinking. Your outward call is growing. you got to obey the call. So I said, okay, i got to do this. So then I'm praying, okay, how, when, where, who, what. And here's how the Lord said to me, because I felt my gifting had hit a wall too. And God said this, he goes, to now you've run with the prophets 17 years of prophetic training, had mentors, trained under them, traveled. He says, you've run with the prophets. To go to the next level, you need to run with the apostles. And I'm like, what the heck's an apostle? <laughs> what? what? What's an apostle? This is the 90s still. We're trying to figure it out. What's an apostle? Where are the apostles? What apostles do I, what are their names? Where do they live? I had all these questions. If you think you got a word from God, you should have a lot of questions. Oh, true word from God will set you on what I call a journey of inquiry. That's the goal, to draw you closer to God. Come on. I got another question. Come on. I got another question. Come on. God draws you into a more intimate relationship by throwing something at you. You have no idea where it comes from, how it's going to happen, all this. And so it generates the journey of inquiry with God. And I had a million questions. I'm supposed to run with apostles. What's an apostle? Where are they? How do I find them? And this is like in January of 1999. And I'm just, we're praying, fasting, trying this, trying that. I'm meet with my oversight. Well, let's try this. We went and visited a church in Indiana we had a relationship with. That didn't, nothing happened there. We're praying, seeking, nothing. March of 1999. Get a phone call. Pastor Jerry Daly, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Apostle. Didn't know it. Apostle, church planter, led our whole network that I've been part of for 22 years. Yeah, brother, uh, I'd met him like once at a conference. He was a former uh, Air Force pilot in Vietnam, STRAC. <clears throat> brother, your name was given to me to come up and do prophetic ministry. Can you come? Yes, sir, I'll be there. <laughs> Love to, yeah. So in June 1999, fly up to Chapel Hill, do prophetic meetings. I stay at Jerry's house, and the first morning he makes the mistake <laughs> saying, well, brother, what's going on in your life? Apostles and brothers, I'm supposed to move. I'm supposed to travel. I don't know how to do it. Where? He goes, well, watch this. Brother, I think you're supposed to move here. Base your traveling ministry out of Grace Church. I just lost a prophet on my apostolic team. You're going to replace him, and we're starting a Bible college. You can help us. Nine seconds. In nine seconds... His apostolic grace saw the architecture of my calling, how it would fit in what he was building. And in nine seconds, I had the strategy, I had the people, I had the place. And I've been doing that for 22 years on a nine-second sentence. You see, God could do more in seconds. I was agonizing, praying, wrestling for months and months. And in nine seconds in one airplane flight, boom. That's God. It took us a whole year. I had to figure it out. I had to announce that to my wife. We have an opportunity. She'd never been to North Carolina. That took us a year. We came, and came to an elders and wives retreat, got to know some people, and took some time. Then finally, it's like, this is the Lord. And we, the next year, we moved. Moved our family, moved to a state we'd never lived in before. I'd visited in ministry, but that was it. And started a whole new journey with God. Pivotal breakthrough moment. He believed the Lord, and the Lord counted it back to him as righteousness. 
Why are breakthroughs so important? Why did I need that? I needed that from God. I needed to know that God was out before me, setting me up, and allowed me to wallow in a little bit of unbelief, bewilderment, fear. Yeah, all that was in me. And he says, I'm going to bring a breakthrough. I'm going to get that out of you. You need them, first of all, to go to the next level. Everybody's got a new level. Everybody's got a next step. Everybody's got, there's new levels of your destiny you haven't achieved yet. And you need sometimes a breakthrough to get there. There's things resisting you. Your own thoughts, your own history, your failures, they all are resisting where God wants to take you. So you need them. Secondly, you need them because they're personal. Oh, they become personal. That was my breakthrough. This was Abraham's breakthrough. It wasn't Sarah's breakthrough. It wasn't Isaac. It wasn't Israel's breakthrough. It was for one guy. God will move heaven and earth for one person. It's a close encounter that you never forget with God. Moves you out of that frozen pause sequence where you're ready to quit. Not only are they personal, they're revealing. You need breakthroughs. Why? God reveals things in a breakthrough moment. He reveals things about you. Reveals your level of unbelief. <laughs> reveals your spiritual condition. He reveals things about himself. God reveals himself. He goes, it's still me, and I still do faith, and I still do miracles. <laughs> God reveals things about people around you, your circumstances. It's like you get new, fresh photographs of your future. Come on, we live in the photograph generation. Everybody's got a thing, and we're always swiping reels, right? What's next? What's next? What's next? Swipe, 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 swipe. Why? We're fascinated by the next image. Come on. Can I give you some good news? Your photo reel is already done. Huh? The photo reel of your life from beginning to end, your mortal life, it's all done. It's finished. How do you know? Isaiah told me. He cheated. He told me. Isaiah 46.10, God who knows the end from the beginning. What? Did we not sing it today? You reign above it all. You reign above it all. Does he really? Is he almighty or sometimes mighty? We got to get our heads on straight on the theology that God is sovereign. He knows it all. He's read it all. He's heard it all. And he does not judge you in the middle of your photo reel because he knows the end. And you need a breakthrough sometimes where God comes and says, I got fresh pictures coming. Where do you see what's next? <laughs> okay? Coming attractions in your life. You need a breakthrough to see the next thing God has for you. They're revealing and... They're reassuring that God is still on the throne. He hasn't forgotten you. You're still his beloved, and he's your beloved. It reassures you of what you actually believe and might reaffirm a former word you've already gotten from God, like Abram. Had a good prophecy, just ran out of gas. What was the word? He drifted. I like that. He had vision drift. <laughs> he leaked. How I many of vision leaks sometimes? That's why you've got to have regular vision meetings. You've got to cast vision regularly. Why? We leak. <laughs> The world sucking vision out of us. We have to keep putting it back in. You know what the most amazing thing about a breakthrough is? See, we want, we want God to change our things. We want God to change our circumstances. We want God to change him and change her. And if he just changed or she changed or my boss, we want God to do all this stuff. 
But the most amazing thing about a breakthrough, they change you. Take the finger and go just like this. They change me. God, God, I need a breakthrough. Good. It means you're, you're ready to change. Well, not right now. <laughs> See, I, I could trick you and say, how many would like to like a breakthrough today? And the hands go, that means you've got to change. The trick question is like, not right now. Not okay, next week, maybe. End of the summer. You see, God wants to change you. God changed one guy. He changed Abram. That's what he did. At that moment in Genesis 15, he changed the internal construct of a human being and put into him the thing that would carry him and you to heaven, faith. He's the father of your faith, my faith. We are the seed of Abraham. Wow. Most people want changed circumstances. I need a breakthrough in this. No, you don't. You need a breakthrough in here. Come on. Yeah. And that's where we're going to go. Are you ready to go there? Because yeah. the biggest battles you face are not the battles around you. They're the battles in you. Somebody say amen or oh me. Still true. Those are your battles. So, three things to pray for. Don't take them lightly. They're not abracadabra pills. It's not snap your finger. It's done. You don't say, yep, I came Sunday. This crazy guy preached and I got my breakthrough. No, we're not going to lay hands on anybody. Get up here. If you, need, if you need a break, oh, we can work you all day. If you need a breakthrough, get up here. We're going to pray. We'd have the altar filled and ah, people crying and leaving and nothing changed. Because breakthroughs are internal and they take time. And God's setting some of you up right now. So the first thing you pray for, here's three things to pray for, for yourself. Stop thinking about your boss or your family member or your bank account or anything else. This is what you pray for yourself. Number one, you pray for a breakthrough in courage. Internal courage. You need courage. Why? You avoid, that's how you avoid fear. Because the number one thing that will stop your breakthrough is fear. That's why Abram had a visitation from God, and the first thing out of God's mouth was, stop fearing. Yeah. We heard it this weekend. You've probably heard it before. We live in a fear-mongering society. Our world is full of fear, and they feed on it. And the media wants to feed you fear and believing in what you can't see. Yes. God says, feed on your faith. Yes. Starve your doubts to death. Feed on faith. You need courage. Helps you avoid fear. You pray for it. God, I need a breakthrough in courage. Courage what? Courage to talk to somebody. Courage to take one of those cards on the way out and here, can you come to, come to my church? It's like, I'm afraid. Oh my gosh. He's a talking church out there, talking the gospel, talking faith. You need to come to my church. Why? It's awesome, man. You'll, your life will change. You'll never be the same. We gotta start talking what we believe. You need courage to do that because humans are very scary. How many of you talk to your pet? Don't look around. You know you do. You know you talk to them. They barely understand you. They're, they have a limited vocabulary. They understand tone. But you have no problem talking to your pet. Then you walk down the street and go, morning. If your neighbor's walking his dog, go, morning. Oh, your dog is behind. Can I pet him? We have no problem with the dog, but the neighbor who's going to hell, morning. Courage. To avoid fear. Yes. I think of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. He's getting ready to take the children of Israel over the raging Jordan River. He saw Moses take them through the Red Sea. He says, I, can, I think I can do this, but I don't know. The, the Jordan's a little different. It's raging. I don't know. And God comes to him over and over at least four times in chapter 1 and says this phrase. What? Only be strong and courageous. courageous. That's what's going to get you over the river, Joshua. Courage. 
So Joshua goes, okay, after about the fourth time, okay, strong and courageous, strong and courageous. I saw Moses do it. I can do it. Okay, we're ready. We're ready, God. Goes to the banks of the Jordan. He's there. He said, okay, we're ready, God. Stick, please. Stick. You know, Moses had a stick. You know, remember how? I don't get a stick. I don't get a stick. Moses had a stick. I don't have a stick. How come I don't have a stick? Because all you need is courage, boy. Step in the river. It's like, okay, you know, sometimes we, don't you hate it when God takes your props away? If I just had Moses' stick, I know I could do it. He goes, no, go take fresh faith. It's a, it's a new way. He said to him, he tipped him off. He says, you haven't been this way before. Come on. The church has never been this way before. We need courage. We need the courage of Joshua to go where we've never been before. Star Trek, okay. Pray for a breakthrough in courage every day. Every person you're afraid of, every situation you're afraid of, you say, God, I need a breakthrough in courage. Secondly, you pray for a breakthrough in, don't misinterpret this word, commitment. Oh, here we go. Michael probably tipped him off and said, can you just get these guys more committed this morning? You're an outside guy. You may never be back. Blow in, blow up, and blow out. We don't care. Just hammer them a little, will you? Get committed to the church. Start showing up to the meetings. Go sign up for VBS. You need to be more committed. You need to give. You need to pray harder. You need to show. Be committed. That's not what we're saying at all. Not committed to programs and activity and things. That's good, but here's the, here's the breakthrough you need. You stay committed to the process you're in right now. Right now. Right now, you're all in process. You're sitting in nice blue chairs, but you're in a process of development. Christ is being formed in you. And you're in process. And the flesh hates it. And you're resisting and you're fighting. And you know you got to make some decisions. And you got to stay committed to the process God has you in. Can I tell you something? You can change churches. You can change cities. You can change towns. You can change countries. God's going to follow you. He'll go to Uzbekistan. He'll go anywhere. He's going to follow you to get Christ formed in you. He will not give up. Stay committed to the process. David got a great prophecy. You're going to be king, you teenager. You're going to be the king of Israel. Woo-hoo! Then God puts him in this crazy discipleship program. Got to kill giants. Got to go hide in caves. The king's going to throw spears at you. That's 101. Ready for step two, David? No, I'm done. Forget it. <laughs> He's hiding in the cave. Up in the like, look at these bozos I'm with. I, I'm running for my life. I'm going back to dad's ranch. David stayed committed to the process God put him in. Because when Samuel showed up at Jesse's house, he was looking for a king. And he didn't see one until David showed up. And he says, I see a king in him. And he prophesied king and put him in a process. Stay committed to the process God has you in. It's all about advancing the kingdom. We advance the kingdom. How? In here. In here. Where's the kingdom? Well, it's there. No, right here, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within a man. The rule of God, the basileia of God is a rule, is inside of you. And you advance the kingdom from within. You advance the kingdom from the words of your mouth. That's the instrument of your faith. That's why Abraham was like, you haven't given me a gift. You got to watch what comes out of your mouth. Are you advancing the kingdom? Or are you advancing obstacles? That was another exit ramp. Got to get back. We're almost done. Promise. One more, one more thing to pray for. This is a big one. This is deep. It's very internal. Very deep. It's very internal. Why? You pray for a breakthrough in heart, your heart. Well, if my so-and-so would just change their stingy heart. No, it's not their heart. Your heart. You pray, God, change my heart. God, I need a breakthrough in my heart. Why? What does it help you avoid? 
wrong motives. And we all have them. We all have them. It's like Solomon said, keep your heart, guard it with all diligence because out of it are all the issues of life. All your motives are generated in your heart. I'm not talking about your chest. I'm talking about your heart, the inner man, the center of your being. And when you get a breakthrough, it answers the question, why am I doing this? You ever have that question, brother? You sit there going, why am I doing Every pastor, every Monday morning, honey, why are we doing this? <laughs> Kidding. It's usually Tuesday morning. Um, why did we have so many kids? I mean, there's, we have, what were we thinking? Why did we buy that? Look at it. It's costing us more money. Than, we all have things that we question our own motives. You need breakthroughs in motive and heart because it's always something in your heart that keeps you going. So Solomon, who wrote Proverbs, had, he had the golden drawing. You know, it's like the bucket came out and, Solomon, you get the grand prize today. What is it? Anything you want. Ding, 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 unlimited Amazon account. It's like ding, 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 whatever I want. Yeah, ask whatever you want and I'll give it to you. Woo, baby, my list would get. Solomon stopped and goes, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Here's what I want, Lord. Give me an understanding heart so I can know how to judge between good and evil with the people you've given me. Wow, motive came out of him, the right motive. And God looked at him and says, that's what I'm looking for, Saul. Right motive. You see, when Solomon had the ear of God, he was more concerned about being better for the people than more comfortable himself. You hear me? How can I be better for them? Every one of you in this room, this is a great gathering. Y'all look so comfortable. I'm going to get prophetic in a minute. It's not about you. Sunday morning is not for you. It's for those who have never heard. There's people all around your neighborhood. They've never heard the gospel. They've never heard the good news. Their life is full of resistance and obstacles. They're full of fear. They need the good news. So Sunday morning is your chance. If you're too afraid to tell them the good news, then get them here. Pastor Michael will tell them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sunday morning's not for us. It's for those that have never heard. In America, this is still our number one day to reach people. Get them to Sunday. You're in the Bible Belt, for crying out loud. I'm in Caroline right next door. I got the next notch on the belt. I mean, we're in the Bible Belt. People still think about church. If not, then get them to, get them to a small group. Come on over to my house while we're grilling hot dogs. Bring your kids. We got a pool. Just hang out. Then start developing. Are you, this is relational. Come on. We got to get people. You got to be more concerned about those that God has put in your life than your own personal comfort. That's why God saw in Solomon said, that's what I want. And guess what? Ding, 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 ding. Still gave him all the riches anyway. Bonus, what? You get all the money. You get all the resources. You get all the wisdom, Solomon, because I, what? You got the right motive. So, <laughs> here's the good news. Good news, bad news. How do you like it in Tennessee? You like the bad news first, kind of let you down, and then the good news bring you back up? Is that how you like it in Tennessee? Different places like it. No, tell me the good news, and then I'll tolerate the bad news. So you want the bad news first? Let you down first? Okay. It's like the old preacher was dying in the hospital. His wife's by him. She says, honey, what? He says, I have one dying request. What is it, dear? I'd like all the elders to be my pallbearers. She goes, okay. Why is that? He goes, 
I just want him to let me down one more time. That's an elder joke. That's just for elders. You, none of you would ever get that. I'm kidding. Who are the elders here? We love you. I'm an elder. Listen, I, I are an elder. <laughs> I'm a governing elder in my church. We believe in the government of God. That's just Okay, I'm going to let you down. Ready? Actually, I'm going to flip it on you. Sorry. I just want to see your reaction on that joke. I just want to get the joke in. All right. Here's the good news. There's an ordained outcome. God has an ordained outcome for you. He's not making it up as he goes. Isaiah, he knows the end from the beginning. The photo reel's done. He's not judging you in the middle of your photo reel like, oh, he messed up on slide five. He, God sees the end. God judges us. God, God superintends our life according to what we call original intent. What he originally intended you for before Adam. Come on. You teach theology here? You should be shouting by now. Yeah, you were in him before the foundations of the world. His original intent is you would be in his family. And then we went through this crazy program of mortality. Anyway, there is an ordained outcome for your life. God has an ordained outcome. Be I will. It's his will. Ready for the bad news? Here's the battle. Ready? Agreeing. Agreeing. Say it, talking church. Agreeing. That's my battle, is agreeing with God's ordained outcome. That's not what I prayed for. I'm an American. We're too comfortable. Got to have our fans, man. Can't have a church without fans. I'm barely sweating like I would do in Africa, brother. You're right. This is, this is nothing. This is a first world problem, and yet we're like, ah. God has an ordained outcome. Our battle is agreeing with his outcome. And that's why you need courage. God had an ordained outcome from Abram. That's why you need commitment. Stay committed to the process God has you in. It'll get you faster to the ordained outcome he has in mind for you. And you need a breakthrough in heart because your motives will stop you. Wrong motive will stop you from following your destiny. Internal breakthroughs will keep you focused on God and focused on his process. And here's the best news of all. It's going to happen after these things. After the things you've already been through, after COVID, after wars, rumors of wars, and economic meltdown, it's after these things, the breaker is still out in front. Can you stand to your feet? Stand up. The breaker's here this morning. We're not going to do an abracadabra. You need a breakthrough. We're going to pray for you. You're going to walk out cheering. No, this is deep. This is internal. You got to grab it, hold it. And you got to do exactly what the prophetic song came today. You got to wait upon the Lord. You got to go back to God now. Remember, when God gives you a word, it should generate questions. Well, God, am I in fear? Come on. You say, God, where am I in fear? Who am I afraid of? God, what am I not willing to stay committed to? What am I trying to back out of? What am I af afraid of stepping into? And God, whew, what are the motives of my heart right now? What's actually motivating me? The kingdom of God is within us. We advance the kingdom one word at a time. I'll deliver a few prophetic thoughts for you. I'm going to kind of speak a little bit to Michael and Jahan, a little bit as the leaders. Psalm 133 says the anointing flows from the head down. Head to him flows down. First word I have to just say, have you ever been in two services? 
this room is way too full. I'm being practical. There's a science and a spirit behind how to grow church. You're too full. That's the science. People walk and go, that's full. Now here's the crazy number. It's, it used to be 80%, dropped down to 70. It's as low as 65% occupancy. In the mind of social thinking people, they go, this is too full and I don't fit here. You gotta create space. The only way you grow is create space. I would say the next step, two services. You say, this doesn't sound like a prophecy. This is called prophetic strategy. It comes in all kinds of packages, folks. If you want to say, thus saith the Lord, go to two services. There. Is that better? It's strategy. It's the heart of God saying, I want more people in here. And right now, you can't get more people in. God wants to grow this place. Why? He wants to reach people. He wants to reach lost people. He came to seek and save the lost. So you're gonna, now you're going to have to think. I said, God, I got, Michael's already got, I have 900 questions. <laughs> we can help you, actually. We can help. All right. Leadership transitions have to happen first before the growth comes. So God, God is going to reform, which means that word is only used once in the Greek in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 9 at the very end. Of, God is going to reform, which means to straighten and amend. God is going to amend some of your leadership structures to foster growth. There's leadership transitions coming. They're good. They're not bad. They're good transitions coming. But you got to begin to pray now and say, God, what do we need to tweak? What shifts do we have to start making? And you, you need to pray for your elders because they're going to have to make some decisions. we got to make some strategy decisions. God has a strategy. It's called the Holy Spirit. He's the chief architect and strategist of the church. That's why Jesus said, don't do anything without him. Don't start a church until I send the Holy Spirit. Now you can start church. Go ahead. Two decades. The next 10 years are instrumental for you and your wife. How you lead, how you change, what you're going to build. Next 10 years are a dynamic decade of building. The next decade you're going to work on handing it off. It's going to take you 10 years to build it and then 10 years to hand it off. How old are you again? How old are you? 45. That's up to 65. And then you can't retire. There's no retirement in the kingdom. I'm 66. I missed my retirement date. I missed it. There's more to come after that, but focus on the next two decades. That sounds like a long time. It's not. Come on, all you over 60. It's not. Is it? Come on. It goes like that, doesn't it? Boom. So the next two decades are strategic. And it's no mistake you've come into some new relationships, even this weekend, because you can't do it alone. I think some of the prophetic words you got last night, and I didn't even know. Did you hear the word last night? One word came out from Rich. What was the word? Breakthrough. I heard it loud and clear, and I knew what I was preaching this morning. He didn't know. He got a word from God last night from one of the other prophets, Rich Gow. He said, there's a breakthrough moment coming for you. God was setting you up even last night. The breakthrough is coming, but God's setting you up for a breakthrough moment. <sighs> Prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 7, he says, even the birds, I'll just phrase it as the birds, even the birds know the time of their coming. And in the Hebrew, that actually is where we get the word migrate from. So he's given us a lesson 
about the kingdom of God from the animal kingdom. And he says, even the birds, they know the time of their coming. They know when to migrate. Birds know when to migrate, right? They don't go to, they don't go to a class. They don't need a conference. They don't need a bird prophet. Might, might need a tweet from one of their friends, but they, it's time to go. They know when to migrate. The birds, why? God coded them. He said, it's time to move. It's also the same root word where we get sheep from. The very word for sheep is tied into the root word for migrate because God put it in the hearts and in the coded sheep to also be a species of migration. What does that mean? We have to find new sources. You migrate for two reasons, new food sources and reproduction. That's why birds migrate. They gotta find a new place to nest, to reproduce, and they need new food sources. Same with sheep. The shepherd has to move the sheep every now and then. We're starting a new series, why? You need, some, uh, you need to change your diet. You've, you just, you've eaten this field all up. If you stay in this field, all you'll eat are bugs, and you'll get sick. So he moves to green pastures. Now we gotta move, it's time to move. Sheep need a shepherd, why? We don't know how to migrate on our own. We're terrible. We wander, we get lost, we get in trouble. Oh, I could preach, I won't. The rest of the verse is this. The birds know when to migrate, but my people, now he's comparing us to birds. My people don't know, the Hebrew word is mishpat, it's translated rules or requirements of the Lord. My people don't know the requirements of God. God is shifting requirements right now. And we must be a people of migration. We have to move spiritually. I'm not about physically, but there may be a physical relocation. I'm just gonna say it now. There could be a physical relocation. Why? God has to move you to a place of reproduction. My people don't know the requirements of the Lord. Our question is, God, you dropped your knees on an intersection. We're going to gather the church and ask one question. God, what is it that you require right now of us? Not what did you require in 2020 or pre-COVID or all the, or you keep looking back, looking back, looking back. No man putting his hand upon the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. You don't look back, you look ahead and say, God, what's next? God, what's next? My people don't know the requirements of the Lord. It is our duty in this pulpit to continue to thunder the current requirements of God. That's why you need the prophetic. From time to time, you need a prophetic download from Christ the prophet. The prophetic Jesus has to come and say, this is what's next. Are you with me? Some of you are going, my head's bobbing, but I'm not sure I'm here yet. That's why you need breakthrough. The breakthrough is going to come in here, not just because we prophesy a few ideas. And this has to be judged. Pastor and elders, you have to judge prophecy. That's, that's why we screwed up 2020 so bad. Nobody was judging prophecy. That's why we're doing our conferences called the Plumb Line. Why? There's so much nonsense out there. Sister, this music thing you're doing is going to grow. And I'm just going to say it. You guys have to relocate because the school's going to be bigger than the church. Not better. Just, you need space. You need space. There's going to be dancing and choreography and drama. It's going to be a school of the arts, not just musicians. It's going to take on all the art world, creativity. shout. When I saw Taru, I thought, that's, I love that word. There's a shout that has to get out to the next generation. You know how you reach the next generation? Three ways. You ready? Music, music, music. 
It's true. I'm doing my third youth camp in August. I did one here in Knoxville in June. Did another one in Montana with three churches. I'm doing one with our church and three other churches, 400 kids in Brevard at the Young Life Camp. I can't wait. I love these young people. Come on. They could be the finishing generation. Who got on that last night? Chuck, somebody got in that last night. They could be the Benjamin. The Benjamin. They could be alive. There's going to be a finishing generation. Why? There's an ordained outcome. We will finish. God's going to look down one day and go, it's done, son. Go get him. We all want that, but we have no idea what the process is. Really? Yeah. There will be a finishing generation that could be alive right now on planet Earth. Our job, move them toward the finish. Pastor's job, get you to go to the next step. Why? You're moving toward the finish. We're all heading to the finish. Whether you, know, whether you sit in a chair or not, you're heading toward the ultimate destiny of the church. Immortality, ruling and reigning with him. Are you ready for that? Let's pray. Hallelujah, Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you for the prophetic Jesus that comes to us. We thank you for the life of Abram who took on faith that was given to him so we could become the seed of Abram in this life. And we thank you, God, for what you're doing here at Redemptive Life Church, that, God, you're going to bring breakthroughs, internal breakthroughs, powerful breakthroughs in heart and motive, breakthroughs in courage, breakthroughs to reach more people, build their lives, Increase the kingdom and glorify God. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life Church.